so we're, we are in Philippians, and we are in the very last chapter of Philippians. Man, this has been a good journey through the book of Philippians, and I want you to know that God has so much more for us when we just dive deep into his word and, and pull out what God says to us. And I love uh, Philippians chapter 4 because in Philippians chapter 4, you find all of these nuggets that, that, that Paul is speaking. Like, I think Philippians chapter 4 is one of the most quoted chapters in the Bible. There's so many good things in there, so many good things in Philippians chapter 4. And in this chapter, you see these things that we're going to read. Well, when I read this, you're going to see some things that pop out. And you go, I've heard that before. I've heard that one before. I've heard that one before. And I want to let you know that if you boil all of that stuff down, all of the good quotes that you're going to see in Philippians chapter 4 down to one thing, it will be this. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But before I do that, there was a person that I was listening to on a podcast this week, somebody that I've been listening to uh, lately. He's He's not really a believer, but he's, he's a deep, deep thinker. And I like deep thinkers because it makes, if my brain hurts, I feel like I've done something, right? And so, you know, I'm listening to this guy and he's been through a lot of pain lately. And for two years, his body has just been reeked with pain. And, and he's having a hard time understanding why he's going through the things that he's going through. Uh, he, he, he's really close to believing in Jesus. Like he is this close. And while I'm listening to this interview he's having with another guy, I'm like, man, if I could just tell him that every answer that he's looking for is in Jesus, like everything. He is so close to finding the hope and the peace and the joy that comes through knowing Christ. And he's saying, man, it's been two years I've been going through this. And God, he even said that God did a miracle in his wife's life, like cured cancer in his wife's life. But yet he still has a hard time mentally trying to figure out who Jesus is. And I wanted to tell him, like, you just got to step out of faith and you got to trust who Jesus is. You can't figure Jesus all out here. You got you to know Jesus here. And then this will open up to what Jesus is. And, and, and it just broke my heart because I'm like, if he just knew the joy that I had, if he just knew the, 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 the hope that I have in Christ and, and he saw all that Christ would, could do for him, even in his pain, even if his body never got better, that he could still endure and understand that his life has so much meaning and purpose to it, even in the pain, even in the circumstances he's going through. And I want to tell you, there's some of you today that may feel like that. You feel trapped in your circumstances. You feel trapped in where you're at. Maybe your body's been in pain for years and years, and you've been praying for years and years for God to do something, and now your faith is shaken, and you don't know, think if God even cares about you. But I'm telling you, don't lose faith in Christ. Christ is so close to you. He's so close that you don't even understand it. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. God knows your pain. God knows your heartbreak. God knows what you're going through. Man, some of you could probably identify with this guy. And you're saying, God, why me? Or maybe you're saying, God, woe is me. I can't understand all of this that's going on. I just want joy in my life. I just want to know that my pain has some kind of purpose in it. That our lives, if boiled down to the core of what they are, could produce something good. And if you really understand the backdrop of Philippians, you understand the writer of Philippians is sitting in a prison. And in this letter, he writes continuously over and over and over 
that you will be joyful, that you should rejoice that God has a plan for you, that God is doing something amazing, that what I have cannot be taken away from any circumstance by anything on this earth, that God has saved me through faith in Christ Jesus, and that I find my joy, and that I rejoice. In fact, Paul, 16 times in Philippians, refers to joy or says rejoice. And so the question you may be asking is, like, how on earth do I rejoice in all my circumstances? How on earth can I rejoice in the pain that I'm feeling? And this last chapter uh, is, is one of the, like I said, it's one of the most quotable passages in the Bible. We wear clothes with these passages on it, right? We have posters with these passages on it. We, we see these things everywhere. And if you boil them all down to one thing, this one thing that we're going to see, holds everything together. It's the glue that binds, not just this book, this letter to the Philippian church, but the whole Bible together. And so what is that thing? Well, we're going to find out. So are you ready? Somebody's ready. All right. One person's ready to know the meaning of life. Okay, so. I'm going to just open it up. Uh, chapter two, of, sorry, chapter four, verse two. Uh, chapter one, we kind of went back, uh, verse one, we went through last week. But chapter two, uh, verse, sorry, chapter four, verse two, starts with this. I entreat Eudia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask also true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So he opens up this chapter saying, look, ladies, you got to get your stuff together you got to figure out what's going on, and you need to get over it. It's like, this is disagreement. This, you just need to come together. You need to get over it. And he says, if you need somebody to come moderate, then you can find somebody to come moderate. But you, got, you women, you're, you're, just, you're destroying the unity in the church. And I'm telling you, when the unity in the church is being destroyed, the church becomes ineffective. And so we as believers, I know we squabble. I know we have disagreements. I know we don't always agree on things. But we have to come to that agreement in the Lord. And we have to keep that unity. If we don't keep that unity, then the body of Christ becomes weak. That's what we see now in our world. The church is weak because we are not unified under that one cause. And so he says, you got you to straighten out, ladies. And then he goes to this. He goes, rejoice in the Lord always. When? Always. Always, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Reminds me of my kid when I went to church with my mom. They sang this song, Rejoice in the Lord Always. And again, I said, Rejoice. Some of you know this. Some of you are like, I don't know that song. <laughs> and then he goes, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. If you boil this whole thing down, it's this point. The Lord is is at hand. The Lord is at hand. What does that mean, the Lord is at hand? Well, when someone says that something is at hand, it means it's really close by. It's actually a military term. Like if an army is coming at you, you would say the army is at hand. Or if the king is coming into, into the cat, if, if the king is coming home, they say the king is at hand. He is close by. In actuality, uh, at hand actually means about a half a mile. So it's close. If somebody's a half a mile away, you can see them. Even with my bad eyes, I can see, you know, <laughs> some kind of form out there. 
And so, and so Paul is telling them, like, look, ladies, you need to get together and you need to agree because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is close. He is nearby. He is at hand. He is within reach. He is within grasp. Keep your eye. You can see him coming. And so he's saying that, that Christ is not only here with us right now, but he's also coming for his church. The kingdom is at hand. Jesus said all the time, the kingdom is at hand, meaning it's close by. It's about a half a mile away. It's, it's, it's within reach. But Jesus is always within reach. So we need to keep a hold of that Jesus is right there next to us, that he is at hand. He is at hand. If you boil it all down, it goes to this point. The Lord is at hand. And then he continues. But this thought, the Lord is at hand, and you can tie everything else to this passage to this one point. Because the Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because the Lord's at hand, because he's close by, because he's near, because he is in us, we can pray to the Father. We can come to, to the Father because Christ is near to us. We can have peace in our circumstances. Paul's saying, man, I'm sitting in jail. I'm probably going to be executed, but you can have peace in Christ because I know he is near. He is at hand. And then he goes on, finally, brothers, because the Lord is at hand, because he is near, because he is close, because he's about a half a mile away, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So how can we think about these things? Because we know that the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. And so it enables me to, to flip the script in my mind and to think about all the good things in my life. Man, I'm telling you, if we could do this in our lives, how much better would our lives be? If we could just focus on the good things and not focus on the little bitty bad things in our life, because it's so easy to see the bad things. If you have 10 people tell you how great of a job you did or how good you are, and then that one person comes up and says, man, I don't know, pastor, that message, I don't even know what you're saying. What am I going to focus on? What are we going to focus on? That one negative. It's so easy for us to focus on the negative. And Paul is saying, no, man, God is near. Jesus is near to us. We need to focus on the excellent things, on the good things. Just a little marital advice for you. If you can do this, if you can focus on what is true in your relationship, what is honorable in your spouse, as little as that may be, what is just, whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent about them, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. If you could do that in your relationships with one another, your relationship will change. It will change. You've got to change the way you think. And he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Again, 
There's that idea of God being near. And then he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you have had no opportunity. So what's Paul saying? We're about to find out. So he goes, not that I am speaking of me being in need, but for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Here's another one of those well-quoted verses. I've learned in every situation to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret to facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What is the secret? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When you read that in that context, does it really fit our marathon running or whatever we have our... (laughs) Our, our, our shirts on. I mean, it does. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But really, it's, it's about learning to be content in what God has given to you. Paul, I mean, he lived in, <clears throat> he was a Pharisee, right? He lived in comfort when he was a Pharisee. He lived in comfort. But now that he's a Christ follower and he's, he's spreading the gospel, now he's living in house arrest in, in Rome, in a Roman prison. So he knows how to be content in the things that God gives him, the good things and the things that, that aren't so good. He learned the contentment because he says, through, all, through Christ, I can do all things who gives me strength. It's not about the outside stuff. It's about the inside stuff because Christ is near. And then he goes on. He says, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me and giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gift you sent me, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. These Philippians were so generous that Paul commends them for their, for their generosity. So what made the Philippians so generous? What made them say, man, whatever I have, God is yours. Use it for what you need it to go to. What made these Philippians so generous? They knew that Christ was near. They knew what God had done in their life and say, God, it's all yours. I'm content in every situation. Why do I worry? Why do I strive? Why, 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 God? I'm just going to come to you and trust you in everything. And, and so they give to Paul out of their maybe poverty. And they, they give to Paul so that they can meet the needs of what he has and meet the needs of the church in Jerusalem that was facing some hard times. And then this one, verse 19, very quoted. And my God will supply what? Every need. Not just some, not just partial. My God will supply every need of yours according to his. How rich is God? Like, he, he owns everything, right? And, and so why do we think, God, you, you can't supply my needs. You can't give me what I need. God, I don't know. That's too big. And I'm telling you, every time that I've been in need, and, and I've, I've talked to so many people this week about how God has pro- just provided over and over and over. This past weekend, I went to a pasture retreat, and I just, we were just talking about you know, we, what we all do this time of year, COVID, and how it's affected the churches and what God's, you know, and how 
it's been hard with nobody in, 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 in the seats and just preaching to cameras and uh, trying to do your best. And every one of them that I spoke to said, man, God has been so faithful through this. They're like, I don't know how we're going to make it as a church. I mean, I was afraid that we're just going to shut the doors because the finances were going to stop. He goes, actually, this year, our giving has gone up. And I'm like, you know, it's crazy. Same thing for us. You know, giving has gone up. We've been able to do even more this year than we have the year before in a, in a, in a pandemic because you guys are so generous because people believe in what God is doing. And they, and they believe and they understand that, man, it's not mine anyway, it's God's. And I'm going to give it to God. And I know that he's going to bring the increase. Because we know that God will supply every need, not me. I was listening to a pastor this week and really, really made me feel bad. I had to repent. And it was actually Pastor Robert Morris out of Gateway Church. And he was talking about uh, his son who has gone to be a church planner in Arizona and his son wouldn't take the, the raise that the elders were trying to give him. And they said, uh, they said, you know, Pastor Robert called him and said, had been giving him his, month, his yearly raise. And they said, well, we've tried, but he just won't take it. And he said, okay. So his son comes home and, and Pastor Robert says, hey, uh, why haven't you been taking your raise? He's like, well, you know, we're a young church plan. I'd rather use that money for, uh, you know, paying my staff so that we can just get the church go up and going. So He's like, I really didn't need it, and, you know, God's, and I just feel like that money needs to go there, and Robert said this, and this is what really got me. He said, so are you the provider of that church? I'm like, ouch. And we kind of come to that, you know, we think that we're the provider, that something we do is going to keep, you know, things afloat, and uh, it's funny, Robert's like, you need to call them and tell them that you're going to take that raise. like, well, I don't have the authority to do that. It's like, well, obviously you do. You had the authority to not take it. I'm like, ow. <laughs> See, we, we kind of come to that mentality that, man, I have to achieve it. I have to make it happen. Like, like I have to supply my needs. And God, I know you're just going to put a little bit on top, right? But no, that's not how it works. God gives everything. God gives everything. We just have to realize that he is near. And he ends it with this in verse 20, and I'm going to get to 21 in a minute. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. To who? God our Father. Be glory and glory to God. Amen. See, because Paul understood and the Philippian church understood that, that God was at hand, that the Lord was at hand, that God is right near to us. He is encircling us. Like this is how I fight my battles, right? I'm surrounded by him. He is meeting every need. He is taking care of everything. Why do I worry? Why do I strive? Because he's here, because he's right here, because he's at hand, I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to worry. I can come to him and pray and know that he hears me. Because he's here, because he's in this moment, because he's at my hand within reach, I can think on pure things. I can think on good things. I can believe for the best and hope for the best. Because he's right here, because he's near me, because he's within hand's reach. I don't have to worry about if I'm going to have enough. God is meeting your needs. Because he's here, because he's right in this moment. I can praise God in my circumstances. I can have joy, abounding in joy. I can rejoice. Again, I can rejoice over and over and over 
And if you go back and look at the rest of Philippians, because Christ is near, Paul is able to say this in Philippians 3, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, garbage, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. In Philippians 2, because the Lord is at hand, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Philippians 1, for me to live is living for Christ and dying is even better. Paul understood this. Do you understand this? That Christ is near? Hey, Christian, you can come up and play something. Do you understand that Christ is near to you today? Do you know that he's at hand? You can see him. He's been waiting for you. He, know where you, he knows where you left yourself. He knows where you left him. He's here and he wants to put you back together. I love that song. He wants to bring you back into relationship with God. He is our hope. He is our salvation. And faith, and faith alone. So as we close Philippians, we, we understand that Paul was reaching this Philippian church who was so caught up and trying to attain what God had for them that they forgot that Christ was really all they needed. If you have Christ, you have everything. You can have everything and not have Christ. You have nothing. Because what? We store up our treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy. Guys, I'm telling you, we, we, we try so often to, to store things up here and to make things happen here on this earth. And I'm not saying we don't have responsibility as believers to do that. Right? The kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right? So we have a responsibility as believers. But our treasure is not here. Our treasure is with the Father. And wherever the Father is, that's his kingdom. His kingdom is here, it's now, and it is coming. Do you understand this? Do you know this? Do you, do you, do you know that Christ is so close to you? wake up in the morning and do you pray and know when you're on your face before God saying, man, I know you're right here next to me. I know you're here. I believe you're here. You're at my, you're within hand's reach, God. All I got to do is reach out and you are there. So today, man, maybe you've, maybe you've left God. Maybe you've walked away and you haven't come back and you've shut the door on Christ and you say, man, I don't know. My life's been too hard, too rough. Christ can't love me. Or I don't want nothing to do with Christ because my life has been this way. And you're jaded and you're hurt and, and you're, you feel like your pain has no purpose, like your life doesn't make sense. And I'm telling you today, if you come to Christ, if you realize how close he truly, really is to you, he will give you what you need. He will give you peace. He will give you healing. He will give you the freedom that you truly, truly need. He can restore every relationship. He can restore everything. I'm a walking example of 
God's restoration power in relationships. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He is at hand. He is near to you right now. So the question is, are you going to reach out? Are you going to take his hand? Are you going to allow him to be Lord of your life today? That's the question we all have to ask. Is he really my Lord? Or is he just my Savior? Is he my King? Am I surrendering my full life to him? Or am I just going to follow him around and get what I can? That's the difference. It's complete and utter surrender. Because he's our defender. He's our supplier. He meets our needs. He's our healer. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me? Father God, I pray right now, Lord, that as I give this altar call, Lord, that you would begin to move in the hearts of the people today. God, even those watching online today, God, I pray that you would just reach down and remind them of how loved they are by you, God, that you have been right there next to them the whole time that your spirit has been drawing them to this moment and you stand there with your hands reached out saying, son, daughter, take my hand. Let me lead you to the Father. Let me show you the good way. Let me show you what it means to be pure, to be righteous, to be forgiven. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for those in here today that do not know you, that Lord, is when I ask them if they want to give their life to Christ, if they want to surrender their life to Christ today, God, that they would be bold enough to raise their hands. And Lord, that they would have the courage to reach out to one of us and let us know that they may grow in their faith and find you. I want everybody to bow their heads. And if, if that's you today and you say, man, God has been chasing me down for so long. I came in here, I was tired. I was thirsty. I had, I had nowhere to go. Today was my last opportunity for God to do something. And today I know that God loves me. I know that God is chasing me down and he wants me to come to him. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. I want, I'll, just raise your hand. Anybody? Don't want to leave an opportunity No shame. 
amen. I've got my hand raised. I need, I need a feeling every day. I need God's presence in my life every day. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? All in the house. Thank you. I just want to pray for you right now. God, I just pray that these people would understand your grace, God. That your grace is greater than any of our failures. That your love for us is, is bigger than any of our blunders, God. That you love us and you forgave us. That you gave your son for us that we may come to you whenever we're in need. God, that we may come to you and just sit at your feet and know you. God, that we have that relationship with you, Jesus. That we are closer than a brother to you. Jesus, I pray that you would draw all these people into you right now. God, restore them, refill them, refuel them. God, give them peace. Let them know, God. Let them feel you right now. Holy Spirit, would you just remind them of your presence in their life? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Give us strength, Lord, to look up to you and not to look at our circumstances. And God, for those that raise their hand that do not know you, Lord, I pray that they would realize their need for you. That, that Lord, you would just fill them with your presence. That they would repent from their sins, be cleansed by you. That they would reach their hands out to you. And that you would change their life forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for meeting us in this place. God, I pray that we could walk out, that we could march out, Lord, as your people and make a difference. God, give us our community. God, give us this community, God, that we would go out and be your people, that we would be called out to do your will. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your honor and your glory. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.